Our reading will be from 1 Peter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence tonight. It is our prayer that if you are visiting, that you would feel welcome and that you would want to come back and be with us again at every opportunity that you may have. We're going to be thinking tonight in just a moment or two about the importance of strengthening our prayer life. The passage that was read a moment ago from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, serves as a springboard for our study together tonight. I want to express appreciation to each of you that prepared food for our luncheon today. I thought the food and the fellowship were excellent. Uh, it was very, I think it was a very nice occasion. As a matter of fact, I appreciated all the comments that were made, uh, especially the comments from the elders, uh, the prayer that was led. And we do wish our graduates the very best. And as they begin their life, I know that... Uh, as they begin this new phase of their life, maybe I should say, uh, we want nothing but the best for each and every one of you. And it would be my prayer that you would prosper spiritually. In 3 John chapter, well in 3 John, not but one chapter, but in 3 John, John writes to a man by the name of Gaius, and his desire was that he might prosper and be in health even, he said, as your soul prospers. And so what we want most of all is for your spiritual life to grow and prosper as you begin this new direction in life. All right, we want to think for just a few moments about the theme about prayer. Specifically, we're going to be talking about strengthening our prayer life. I said just a moment ago that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, this verse serves as a springboard for our discussion. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. What a great blessing it is to have the privilege of prayer. To know that you and I, as members of the family of God, can approach his throne day or night to know that not only can we approach his throne but that he is always ready to listen to our prayers or supplications as we think about our study tonight increasing or strengthening our prayer life the first thing that I would call your attention to is the fact that God is the one who designed prayer. We're talking primarily here about the fact that God is our benefactor, and he has loaded us down with an abundance of blessings. The psalmist said, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with blessings or with benefits. I would submit unto you tonight that prayer is one of God's good and perfect gifts. In James chapter 1, verse 17, James said, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. Prayer could be classified as a spiritual blessing. 
you and I, we enjoy an array of spiritual blessings. But in Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 3, Paul identifies the fact that spiritual blessings reside in Christ Jesus. And one of those great blessings is prayer. I think prayer gives us insight into the goodness and graciousness of God. After all, God has created prayer as an avenue for us to communicate to Him. You and I have the opportunity to express to God Almighty our thanksgiving, our joys, our frustrations, our pains, our sorrows, our hurts, our wants, our wishes, and our needs. Only a kind and loving God would bestow such a blessing on mankind. The psalmist said in Psalm 100, The Lord, He is good. When you think about all of the good things that God has lavished upon us as members of the human family, and in particular those of us who are Christians, we need to pause and reflect upon God's goodness that he, has that he has lavished on us this great spiritual blessing. Now, in light of the fact that God designed prayer, I really believe that it gives us insight not only into the goodness and graciousness of God, but it reminds us of some things. It emphasizes to us that, number one, God is conscious of our well-being. God knows you inside out. In Psalm 139, and I would recommend that you read that chapter on a regular basis, the psalmist said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. He said, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. He went on to say, There is not a word on my tongue but lo, O oh Lord, you know it all together. He asked the question, if I ascend into heaven, the thought is, if I ascend to heaven, can I escape the presence of God? The answer would be no. If I were to make my bed in Sheol, in the grave, could I escape the presence of God? Absolutely not. If I were to take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea? Could I escape the hand of God? Again, the answer is no. God is omnipresent. That is, He is ever-present. He is also omniscient. That is, all-knowing. And so God is conscious of our well-being. He knows what we are facing in this life. It's interesting to me that in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are numbered. And prior to making that statement, he said that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our heavenly Father knowing it. And then here was his question. Are you not of more value than they? Well, the answer would be a resounding yes. And so God is conscious of our well-being. But also, not only is God conscious of our well-being, 
but he is concerned about our well-being. Now, I said that God is the one that designed prayer. He designed prayer so that we can communicate unto him. It is our avenue to express our wants and wishes to Jehovah God. What about the concern of God Almighty? Is he concerned about me? You know, we live in a world today that is, what, about five to six billion people? And when you think about the world's population on that scale, it's easy to get lost in the numbers. I mean, how could God be mindful of me among this great sea of people? How could God know what I am facing in my life? Well, God is mindful of what you're facing in life, and God is concerned about your well-being. Take for Take, for example, a man by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of God's good kings. Isaiah the prophet was summoned by God to go to Hezekiah and instruct him to set his house in order. The reason, he said, is because you're going to die and not live. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 2, the Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to God. Hezekiah prayed to Jehovah God. Now, here's the question. Was God concerned about the physical state of Hezekiah? The Bible says that God's response to the king in that day was, I have seen your tears. I have heard your prayers. And the text tells us that God granted him 15 years of life. God is concerned about our well-being, but not only is God concerned about our well-being, not only is he conscious of our well-being, but he cares about our well-being. Not in some superficial or artificial way, but God genuinely cares about each and every one of us. Now, probably the best example I can give you relative to the care of God was in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Paul said, if God spared not his own son, shall he not much more freely give you all things? God has demonstrated his love, his care for us through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, here's what Peter said. Peter said, casting all, A-L-L, all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You and I, we have the opportunity to cast every care at the throne of Jehovah God. And so God is the one that has designed prayer. But there's a second thing I think we see when we read the Bible concerning prayer. And that is God desires our prayers. As a matter of fact, the Lord beseeches us to pray. 
Have you ever just read through the New Testament and noted the numerous times we are invoked to pray to God? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus there entreating us to pray. You see, there is the command to pray. In Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus said that men ought always to pray. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, that we are to pray without ceasing. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul again writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So you and I have an invitation to pray to God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace. Again, emphasis on the invitation to pray. So not only is there the command to pray, but there are also some conditions of prayer. What do we mean when we say there are conditions attached to our prayer life? Well, first of all, I would submit unto you that when we talk about, when we talk about prayer, that we need to pray reverently. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed there means to set apart. We understand that we are in the presence of deity, that we are before God, that we are bowing our heads before the sovereign ruler of this universe. As the psalmist said, the Lord reigneth. God is the one who is in control. And since he is in control, since he is the one who has created us, who has redeemed us, and who sustains us, he's worthy of our reverence. So we pray reverently. But we are also instructed to pray persistently. Again, in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus said men ought always to pray and not faint. You and I have the opportunity to approach the throne of God on a regular basis. And we need to be persistent in our prayer life, in our prayer life. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 55, verse 17. The psalmist said, evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So you and I, we can approach the throne of God persistently. But then also, may I suggest unto you that we pray confidently. When we bow our heads before the God of this universe... We are praying to a being that has the power to affect change 
If you don't believe that, just go back and begin reading all of the great stories of the Bible. I cited a moment ago Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed to God. And God said, I have seen your tears. I have heard your prayers. And he granted 15 years of life unto the king. Many years ago, I remember a friend of mine was in a hospital. His condition was very grave. I think he was in intensive care. And he said that while lying in a hospital bed, he overheard the physician make the statement, there's no need to call me tonight. This particular gentleman will never make it. He's not going to make it through the night. Well, this brother heard that physician. The physician didn't know he could hear. Didn't know he was conscious, I guess. And so he said, I began praying earnestly to God. He was praying that God would spare his life. And he expressed unto God what he would do in his service if God would grant him life. God spared his life. And that man had the opportunity to live quite some time after that night. I remember a friend of mine, one of my best friends, his mother had an aneurysm. The doctors didn't think she was going to make it. Her husband was an elder in the church. And I really believe that because of the prayers of the church, her life was her life was spared. Prayer can affect change. We need to pray with confidence that we are praying to a God that can bring about change. If God is not involved in the affairs of our lives, if God is not concerned about where we are at this point in time in history, then my question would be, why pray? But Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We have to learn to pray, and to pray with confidence. Then also I would suggest that we must pray submissively. This may be the most difficult part. To pray as Jesus did, not my will, but your will be done. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14... John said, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him, verses 14 and 15, to pray submissively. Many times we want our will to override the will of God. And yet we need to keep in perspective that Ultimately, God's will must reign supreme. And so, we pray with a submissive heart. So, God is the one who designed prayer. God desires our prayers. But then thirdly, God delights in our prayers. You see, God will bless us through prayer. In Proverbs chapter 15 at verse 9, here's what the Bible says. 
The prayer of the upright is his delight. I said verse 9, actually it's verse 8. The prayer of the upright is God's delight. God delights in our prayers. That suggests to me that number one, God is accessible to me through prayer. Now, there are a lot of people in our world today, you and I both know, we can't just pick up the telephone and dial their number and expect to get them on the other line. There are many people that are not accessible. Try calling some people who are corporate CEOs. Try calling a congressman, a senator, or a president. See how much luck you have getting them on the phone. Well, the Bible assures us that God is accessible. I said that God delights in our prayers. It's interesting to me that the very God who created us would take delight in our prayers. Again, I think that only stresses the fact that he loves us, that he cares about us, he's concerned about us, he's conscious of our state. Pause for just a moment and reflect upon the blessings of prayer. When you bow your head to God, you never get a busy signal. You never... You never see some kind of sign that says, do not disturb. I think about some people that have caller ID. Many of us have caller ID. And it might be the case that someone will dial your number. And when you see who's dialing your number, what do you do? Maybe that you push that little button that says ignore. It might be that you just put your phone back in your pocket. You don't want to be disturbed. You don't have time to talk to them. It might even be the case that the person who is calling you is a source of irritation to you. You really don't want to hear from them. That's not the case with God. God delights in our prayers. I think about our graduates. All of our graduates, at least our high school graduates, are going to be going away to college. Here's my recommendation, at least one recommendation. Don't forget to call your mama. I can promise you this. There's one person that's going to want to hear from you on a regular basis, and it's your mama. Now, as a daddy, I'd like to hear from Braden. I don't mean to embarrass him, but I would like to hear from him. But you get my point. We want to hear from our children. We want them to pick up the telephone and call us. Does it not make your day when somebody you appreciate that you love, when they pick up the phone and call you? Why, sure it does. God is our Heavenly Father. We are His children. When we pause during a busy day and pray to God, the Bible says it's a delight to Him. 
You see, God is available to you and for you. Not only is God available to you and to me, but God will aid you and me. God stands ready to come to our aid, to come to our defense. Think again about what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. It's not easy living in this world. As a matter of fact, it can be a rat race. And there are times in life that can literally try our souls. We may not know what to do. We may not know where to go. We may not have an answer to the problems before us. But I know one who does, and that one is God. God is ready, willing, and able to aid each and every one of us. We just have to believe that. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. I remember having the opportunity to hear one of the last lessons that Brother Wendell Winkler preached. I think I was in Birmingham, Alabama at Polishing the Pulpit. He made a statement one evening that I don't guess I'll ever forget. He was talking about his daddy, and he said, I would give a thousand dollars to hear his voice one time, or to just hear his voice. It wasn't but a month or two later that Brother Winkler stepped out into eternity, and I thought, well, I guess you have the, oppor I guess you have the opportunity now to see your daddy. But here was a man that put a price tag on a relationship that he had enjoyed with his father. What kind of price tag would you put on prayer? I don't think you can. I don't think that there's any way that you and I can come up with a monetary figure to determine what prayer is worth to us. One of the greatest resources available to you and to me. We just need to use it. My encouragement, let each of us strengthen our prayer life. It might be the case that you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. My encouragement to you this very hour would be obey the gospel. Do what they did in the first century. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of every sin like Peter said in Acts 2 verse 38. Confess the name of Christ before others, Acts 8, verse 37. Be buried with Christ in a watery grave of baptism and enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. Live faithfully until death and God will bestow on you the crown of life. You know what? If you'll begin your Christian life this very night, you'll leave here 
with the blessings of prayer availing in your life. Why would you want to walk out of here without prayer? If you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, we have the opportunity to pray with you and for you. The Bible says, confess your faults, confess your sins one to another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Could we assist you tonight as we stand and sing?